1: Hi there, and welcome back to another edition of Upholding Valor. I'm Jill Atwood, the Director of Communications for the VA Rocky Mountain Region. And this week, we're going to talk about a brand new program within VA, and I think it's probably a program that's long overdue because we hear a lot about this, but up until now, we really haven't had the resources to to deal with it or direct these folks in the in the right direction. Um, I'm talking about intimate partner Violence. Uh, I think it's a, a different way to talk about domestic violence, but we're going to clear this all up and and let you know about this important resource. I have Amanda Yanni here, and she is the Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program Coordinator. That is quite a mouthful. <laughs> it is nice, long title. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Amanda. I really appreciate it. And this is a brand new program. You're brand new in this role. Um, uh, with with IPV which was just recently instituted by VA can you talk to me a little bit about why the need for this I mean domestic violence is is prevalent in our society but I know just from working within VA for a decade now that it it can touch veterans uh, more often than not let's talk about it a little bit
0: yeah, so unfortunately, um, veterans are at a higher risk of both experiencing violence in intimate relationships as well as using violence in intimate relationships.
1: Can we talk about, can we, I stop you right there, why is that? I know the answer, but I'm sure a lot of people don't know the answer.
0: Yeah, um, a lot of it is various mental health symptoms, coming back, transitioning home from being in combat, being in war, being in the military, even if you didn't see combat, you're in for a few years, four years, more years, and you're trained to live life in a certain way and sure. survive. And then coming home, things are different. Things are very different.
1: You're, you're changed forever. And maybe your partner, your, your, hus- your spouse, they, they don't understand the new you. Correct. Okay.
0: Continue. Sorry. No, that is fine. So I do have a few um, statistics. I think the prevalence of intimate partner violence really speaks to why this program is necessary here and at every VA. Mm -hmm. So among the civilian population, the lifetime prevalence of experiencing intimate partner violence is 7.6% for men and 22.1% for women. Wow. Wow. Among women veteran population, the lifetime prevalence of experiencing intimate partner violence is 33%.
1: Holy moly. So. That's a third of our female veterans. Why are they so much
0: higher? You know, I I believe it is, there's a variety of reasons. Some sure. of them stemming from even if they were brought up around violence in their household, mm-hmm. um, they're at higher risk of experiencing violence when they return and Start their own intimate relationships, right? Um, experiences they had in the military that may have put them at higher risk and being vulnerable for violence, yeah. And those mental health symptoms that may be there and untreated, and maybe there isn't any mental health symptoms that we're aware of, but there is a higher risk of female veterans being experiencing intimate partner violence. Why the
1: the new term? domestic violence, we're, we're going away from that, we're going away from victim, we're going away from perpetrator, intimate partner violence. Why, why, why the different name?
0: So domestic violence really encompasses violence that occurs in the domestic sphere, so in the household. And that can actually also include violence from a parent to a child, or a child to a parent, or two adults, or siblings. Intimate partner violence describes, um, it involves physical, sexual, and psychological harm or stalking behavior for a current or former partner. So, they don't have to currently be living together. They don't even have to currently be in a relationship, but we understand that that risk and that violence may be occurring, and we want to be able to encompass them and provide those services.
1: And we've been seeing this a lot, I would I would assume, in the, in the therapy sphere here in VA, where someone is being treated for their service-related emotional wounds, and this topic keeps coming up. Is
0: that accurate? It is. It is. And it's an area that... The VA provides great care in a variety of areas, but this is a new push for us, and Mm -hmm. I think we're going to just become more experts in the area.
1: So what is your role? And I know you're brand new, and and you're still figuring out your role and building the program. I understand that, and thank you for your important work. But how do you see your role, and what are you doing right now to kind of launch
0: this program? So I'm in a really fortunate position because I've kind of been given a lot of leeway and latitude. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some guidance. It's that's the nice VA. Though. But really, um working with the community to build partnerships. There's a community in Salt Lake that provides domestic violence and intimate partner violence care and they're experts. And we want to use their resources sure. and learn from them. So that's one area. Raising awareness in the VA alone, um making sure providers understand where they can go when they need support or if their veteran needs a certain service.
1: Mm-hmm. Your job really is to train VA staff to be aware and, and recognize this in, in veterans, especially if
0: they're vocalizing it. Absolutely. And we're working on you know serving veterans that both experience the violence and also use the violence because we realize that if we don't, work on both ends of that. We're not going to be able to end the violence. So do veterans really talk about using violence?
1: And I'm sure there's some remorse. They get angry. Uh, they get triggered, what, whatever happens. And then um, obviously they're they're regretful. Do they talk about
0: that? Um, not at first. I wouldn't say that at first. I sure. think it takes a uh, real skill and great communication to be able to ask certain questions to get a veteran to open up about certain topics. Mm -hmm. And this would be one of them. Okay. Um, So how do you,
1: how do you go about training staff? What is your, what is your first goal? Or what are you in the process of doing right now?
0: So currently we are, we're rolling out actually a Strength at Home program. Okay. We're in the middle of Cohort 1. And so that has been, we had six providers that went and um, attended two-day training, uh, an evidence-based program. And so we have been able to identify this need and get the training needed to roll out this program to identify the veterans that need to come to the group. We've done, you know, marketing. We have flyers. Sure. We've spoken with mental health and social work so that they're aware that this service is here. And if anything comes up in a therapy session that seems related to a veteran currently using or they're at risk of using violence Mm -hmm. in a relationship, that they're able to attend this group.
1: What kind of response have you gotten from providers?
0: So um, this is our first cohort, and we actually had 11 referrals for Cohort 1, which is quite high. Wow. Um, for this population, and we have five veterans in Cohort 1 who have committed to all 12 weeks.
1: Wow. I would assume providers, social workers, psychologists uh, are, are
0: welcoming this program and see the need? Absolutely. Absolutely, they're welcoming it, and they're grateful. Um, this is a service we needed to be providing, and we have been providing anger management, and that is a critical group to continue with. Mm-hmm. Um, but placing a veteran that's using or at risk of using intimate violent, intimate partner violence into anger management is not going to deal with the potential trauma side um, that they have experienced in their life that is impacting them and increasing their use of violence.
1: Now, you're the liaison, so would you refer someone, so if you get a referral,
0: then what do you do with that referral? So, I reach out to the veteran, and I explain to them briefly on the phone what the group entails and what the commitment is, and if they want to move forward with it, I actually do a 60-minute intake with them Um, It's to collect brief um, demographics, education history, Uh, Military history, in particular deployment history, and trauma history, whether that's in the military or out of the military. Um, This gives us an idea of where the veteran is coming from, what their history is Mm -hmm. there, and the group really focuses on getting the veteran to understand how trauma has impacted how they process everyday situations just a little bit differently than the general population and how processing those differently can impact our communication style and increase our stress level and negatively impact our relationships.
1: Interesting. Now, do they go to the community for these services or did they stay
0: in-house? Does it just depend? They um, stay in-house. Oh, okay. Wonderful. So, so if a veteran is court-ordered and the courts won't approve this then they would have to go out of house but we've actually had some positive um, progress with being able to work with our veterans justice outreach program and um, you know we have some veterans in group right now that are within both programs. I was just
1: gonna ask that when you when you when you talked about court ordered, I'd wondered if you were working with the
0: um VJO program at all. Yeah, they are um a great asset and resource here and also a wonderful referral source for us. Why do you why did you take on this position?
1: So, it's a big <laughs> it's a big undertaking. It
0: is um and, you know, I, I've been at the VA for some time, and I was in the homeless program, and I love program development. And it was 2016, I got to attend a women's um, health residency, and it was three days long, and it just opened me up, to, my eyes up to this whole other area of need and services that wasn't being provided here to the level it could be. Mm-hmm. So... When this position posted, I was just super excited there. Um, In the homeless program, the majority of the female veterans we saw were experiencing homelessness due to fleeing intimate partner violence. And so I had some experience there. And then that training and this, this just, I got lucky. Yeah, it's
1: touching all these different programs. It's really interwoven throughout our whole VA system well again we are we are lucky to have you the last thing i want to touch on is um talk to those veterans who fe- may be listening or family members that know of something's going on who are feeling desperate and like there's no hope they they don't understand why it's happening to them or or why they're doing the things that they're doing um, what would you say to a veteran who's feeling pretty pretty desperate and down and out right now?
0: I would definitely let them know that you are not alone. Um, there is a community of veterans here that want to help support you on a peer relationship level. There is a community of providers here at the VA that want to support you. And we really are taking a trauma-informed approach. So it is not... You're not a bad person. No. If you don't want to leave a relationship um, and you're experiencing the violence or using the violence, we want to support you and get you the resources to keep you safe and move past what's going on and help that relationship become healthy again. We're not here to tell you what to do. We're here to help you and support you and get you what you need.
1: And the biggest thing is they need to get past the shame and there's no judgment here.
0: No judgment. No judgment whatsoever.
1: Amanda, thank you so much. Amanda Yanni, the Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program Coordinator. It's a wonderful program and long overdue. Thank you so much for telling us about it. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Upholding Valor. We'll see you next time.